Please be seated. Last week and this week, we're looking at uh, lost things that were found, and we began last week our study of the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Just to let you know, I, I did find my cell phone. I had mentioned that I had misplaced it last week. So we're constantly losing things and seeking for them. And God does the same thing. Although he hasn't lost uh, things, we, we were born lost. And so God is in the business of finding that which is uh, lost. And from last week, just want to do a little bit of a summary to prepare us to dive in uh, to really the second half of the message, looking primarily today at the elder son. But last week, we began by looking at the father and his mission as we were trying to get a context for which Jesus gave this parable. And we began by looking at this statement in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15 that reads, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to hear him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man may receive sinners and eat with them. And so we were looking at this first point. What are the reasons that precipitated Jesus giving this parable? And the first reason is Jesus' mission. He came to seek and to save lost sinners. And so he was going about his mission as he was sitting down, receiving and eating with these tax collectors and sinners. But the second reason is this, that the Pharisees and the scribes, those who were considered to be the morally upright because they outwardly obeyed Jewish law, grumbled, complained, objected to Jesus showing grace to these uh, tax collectors and sinners. And the tax collectors and sinners are those who the Pharisees and scribes viewed as being the outcast and defiled Jews who did not uphold the law of God. And so basically what they were saying is, Jesus, those tax collectors and sinners that you're sitting down eating with and receiving, they do not deserve to have a place at the table. They do not deserve to have fellowship with you. And of course, we find Jesus responding to the grumbling of the Pharisees and scribes by giving a series of three parables in chapter 15. The first two parables, a man loses one sheep, leaves the 99, goes to, and looks for this one sheep. A woman loses a coin, and she is turning everything upside down trying to find this one little coin. The sheep and the coin are found, and the man and the woman celebrate. They, they call their friends and family, and they have a great celebration. Of course, verse 10 of chapter 15 really gives us the lesson that teaches that our Heavenly Father seeks sinners to show them compassion, to call them to repentance. And when they turn back to Him in repentance, a party is thrown in heaven, a great celebration. Com compare these first two parables that Jesus tells with the response of the Pharisees and the scribes to Jesus going about what he came to do to seek and save lost sinners. And what did they do? They grumbled. And the second point that we looked at last week, having looked at the reason for Jesus and the context for Jesus giving this parable, 
is to actually look at the beginning of the third parable, which is commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. And we look at the, at the, the younger son, the prodigal son. I call him the rebellious uh, son. And we learn the same thing from the prodigal son that we learned from the first two parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin. The, the account of the, the uh, prodigal son is given in verses 11 through 24. Uh, we'll not read that. We'll just simply read the portion dealing with the elder son. But we looked at this passage of Scripture last week. The story is well known. The prodigal son asks for his inheritance, wishing his father were dead, turns from his father, goes to live like he wants to live in a far country, becomes destitute, finds himself uh, feeding pigs, desiring the waste from feeding the pigs. The economy tanked. He hit rock bottom. But he remembered the compassion of his father, and so he came to himself, the text tells us, and he sets out to return home to ask his father to allow him to be a hired hand in the father's house. You know the story well, and what did he find? An angry father, a begrudging father. No, the father saw him before the son saw the father. The father runs to him and hugs him and kisses him, and not only reconciles with his son, but restores him completely to sonship. And then the father says, get the fatted calf and throw a party. And the father's words at the end of that account, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Repentance in the economy of our God leads to celebration. This is hope for you and me. It's hope for those of us here today that may still be lost in a far country due to our sin, never having truly repented. And maybe today you are here and you're sensing that there's a way out of this desperate place in a far country, separated and lost from your Father. And there's hope for you. Our Father is looking for rebellious sons and daughters to turn to Him in repentance. And He forgives and He throws a party in heaven. And there's hope for those of us who are saved and yet play the prodigal by turning from our Heavenly Father, whose love we know, and yet again venturing off to a far country in sin. And there's hope for you and me today that our Heavenly Father is there looking for our return, causing our return at some point, And what do we receive when we return? After journeying to a far country over and over again, we receive a heavenly Father who forgives and throws a party for us. And maybe today, well, I should say, maybe there are parents who are here who have a child, who has a child, who is a prodigal, 
Dear ones, there's hope for you. Our God is a God who pursues the wayward. And according to his electing purposes, will cause them to return. And they too will be the object of a party in heaven. And now having summarized the subject from last Sunday, we now turn to the core of our message today, which is picking up the story with this elder brother, this elder son. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. We'll begin reading at verse 25 to the end of that chapter. Luke 15, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disappointed or disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, as we come again to this your word, in this particular account that Jesus gave, Father, I would, I would pray, show us where we may be playing the prodigal, where we may be playing the self-righteous elder brother and use this message, use this opportunity to consider your truth and your word to enable us to come to our senses, to own our sin and to return to you in repentance and receive your forgiveness. Father, we just are so grateful for the fact that you celebrate Sinners who turn to you in repentance. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So today we'll be looking at the second half of the second point of your sermon outline, which I think is on page 5 as we look at the, the elder son. That title of that second point is a father and his two sons. I should say the father and his two lost sons, because both were lost, including the elder brother. And then we'll look at this uh, third point on your sermon outline, the third son. You'll get to figure out who the third son is today, if you have not already figured uh, that out. I bet some of you have. Well, let's begin with the father and his lost sons, looking at the second part of that, the elder uh, son. I know a family with two sons. One son would be considered by many the black sheep of the family. He really struggled uh, growing up. 
and he caused all kinds of pain for himself as well as his family. And so anyone looking from the outside into this family and looking at this one son would label him the prodigal son, the rebellious son, the black sheep of the family. Then there was the other son. And people looking into this family, they would look at this other son and they would say, oh my, he's the good son. He's the one who did everything right. He's the one who you know, went to college and made something of his life and was a blessing to his parents. So maybe you know families like this with, with children, one that would be called the black sheep. Hey, maybe you are a black sheep or a former black sheep of your family. Or maybe you're the good son or the good daughter or maybe a former good son or good daughter <laughs> of, of your family. I want you to personalize this. Do you know a family where one child looks like the good son, where one child looks like the black sheep? Well, here's the thing from a pure, uh, spiritual perspective. The good son is not the good son. The good son is as dysfunctional and needy as the black sheep son. Or the prodigal son. That's what I want us to get in our thinking today. To get away from this bad son, good son. No, they're both needy. They're both distant from the father's heart. They're just dealing with different things that separate them from their father. And that's what we want to explore today. So let's look at this self-righteous son. The elder son. And like we did with the prodigal son, we want to view this, this elder son on two levels. He does represent a person who thinks they're saved because they do all the right things. They, they, they base their inheritance in heaven on the fact that they, they've got to do these various works to merit and earn their salvation, and they believe they've done them. And so they're an unsaved, self-righteous person. I think the elder brother might represent someone like that. The elder brother also represents someone like me who is saved and yet I can so easily get back into that mode of thinking that I've got to merit my father's approval by, by doing all these, these good things, these righteous things, but I can become very distant from the Father's grace because I'm basing my relationship on my meriting his favor instead of resting in his favor that I already have in Christ. And so the good news, bad news, whatever news you want to label it is this. This parable speaks to every single person here today in some way. Prodigal, rebellious children, or elder brother, self-righteous works-based type of a relationship or view of one's relationship with the father. So the dutiful son, the self-righteous son, was out in the field. Isn't that great? Why was he out in the field? He was doing his duty. I just love that. (laughs) He was was about the the family business. Uh, He was diligent. He was faithful. I don't know what he was doing in the field, uh, plowing, surveying, Checking on the crops, 
And then he starts heading home. And what does he hear? What does he hear? The sound of a party. And he knows it's coming from the village. And so he gets close to the village and he learns that, that this party is being given by his father because his dead, beat, black sheep, no good for nothing, younger brother has tucked his tail between his legs, that's dog talk, talk, and has come home. And there's a party being given. And then he learns that the fattened calf has been slaughtered. And the whole village is celebrating. And the, the, the text tells us just very simply that this elder self-righteous brother refused to go into the party. He was mad that the father showed grace to his deadbeat brother. And so what does the father do? Please don't, don't miss this point. When the prodigal is coming, what does the father do? He runs to him, right? And when the father learns that the elder brother is, has come home and refused to come in, what does the father do? He goes to the elder brother. What's amazing is that both brothers receive the same level of compassion by the father. And the text tells us that, that the father entreated him. I mean, the, the father invited, we might even say pleaded with the elder brother to come into the party and to share in this grace. And there is something cultural going on here because actually <laughs> it was the elder son that was to be the officiant at a party like this. Now, remember last week I told you, we spoke a lot about how disrespectful the prodigal was towards the father. Dad, give me my inheritance. Wish you were dead so I can go live like I want to. And we find the elder son actually disrespects his father in an equal way by refusing to go in and take his place as the, the officiant of the party. He was showing great disrespect to his father. So you see, there are problems with both of these boys when it comes to how they relate to their father and how they show disrespect. And the account tells us that this elder son refused to go in. I want to make an observation here. And I say this to all of us, and I say it first to myself. I know about this. I've done it. And so I am speaking on some authority here, personal as well as God's Word. <laughs> that when we operate out of, out of a performance model, I've got to do this to earn God's favor, we actually are bothered when God shows grace. The elder son was upset because his father was gracious to the younger brother. I might just ask, have you ever been bothered by God showing grace to someone who didn't deserve God's favor? What is the definition of grace? 
unmerited favor <laughs> towards sinners. Think of how messed up it is to be bothered by God showing grace to someone who doesn't deserve his favor. That's the, de- <laughs> that's the definition of grace. And I simply want to make this statement to say that the elder, the elder son was as distant from his heavenly father as the younger son when he was there in the pig pen in a far country. And we, we, we learn of this in verse 29. The good and dutiful son said this, Look, Dad, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You, you see, the, the, the elder son, the self-righteous son, contrasts the, the many years of service that he has faithfully rendered to his father with the unfaithful, horrible service of his younger brother that showed such disrespect for squandering his father's wealth. And, and this reprobate brother of mine is the one who gets the reward, the fattened calf. That's not fair, says the elder son. And it just shows that he is really upset with his dad being gracious. The Pharisees and scribes were really upset with Jesus being gracious to those who did not deserve it. And this really is the very heart of the the meaning of the parable of the prodigal son. The elder son's way of relating to his father is reflected in Jesus' words in Matthew 9, 13 that are based on the Hosea 6 passage that Steve read earlier and really is based on Hosea 6, verse 6, which is the title verse of our sermon or of our bulletin. In Matthew 9, 13, the Lord said, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. And Hosea 6, 6 takes, takes this up as well. And what Jesus is saying here is that for those who rest in religious rituals and formalism, kind of an external conformity to the rules and regulations, instead of living out of a changed heart, those are the ones that that have issues in relating to me. Let me just say that again hopefully not as confusing. What Jesus is comparing is one who, instead of living out of a changed heart, is simply basing their relationship with the Father on sacrifice or the ritual and the formalism of the religion. They're living externally like like the Pharisees are doing. And Jesus is saying, and Hosea 6 is saying, that God desires mercy, a changed heart, and living out of that versus just simply outward formalism and the outward obedience to rituals. The disrespect of the elder son is so clear. Because if you notice in the text, he never addresses his father as father. And also notice that he never claims his brother. When we we read the text in verse 30, it says... As the elder son is speaking to the father, this your son. (laughs) All 
going to show how separated and lost the elder brother was from the heart of the father. And what separated him? It was his righteousness that separated him. And so what this parable shows us is that we can be lost and separated from God because of our sin. It also shows us that we can be lost and separated from God because of our personal righteousness, trying to earn God's favor by being the good son or the good daughter. Instead of relating to God, founded upon God's grace that changes our heart, enables us to love God, I desire mercy that inward quality, not sacrifice, says the Lord. And this really is the main point of the parable. But here's something really interesting that happens in verse 31. The father shows compassion to this elder brother, just like he did to the prodigal uh, son. He affirmed the elder son as his son. He assured him of his inheritance. All I have is yours, says the father to the elder son. He invited the elder son into this party that is a gracious party being thrown. And the elder son, with all of the father's approval, along with the invitation, rejected it all and refused to go in. And the story ends. Did he ever go in? Is the question that we should ask at the end of this story. And so the point is that the prodigal was separated from the father in a far country. And the elder brother, the elder son, was separated from the father right under the father's nose at home. One separated by sin, one separated by by self-righteousness. Both needed the Father's grace. Both received compassion by the Father. And in verse 32, the Father ends the parable by saying, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And so the parable ends open-ended, but the same saying would be true of the elder brother, it'd be fitting, fitting to celebrate if the elder brother came into the party because he too was lost and now he's found and he was dead and now he has life because he responded to the Father's grace and invitation by turning again to the Father in repentance. And so Jesus is telling this to the Pharisees and scribes. He is rebuking them for their self-righteousness. They're the elder brother. But notice the grace of the Father. The parable ends open-ended. Not only do we really don't know if the elder son ever changed his mind and went into the party, but we also see the potential for the Pharisees and the scribes to go into the party as well. The invitation is open-ended, and it's given to, self, to the self-righteous to turn from trying to merit God's favor, to turn to God, the gracious Father, in faith and repentance. And maybe today you're basing your relationship on earning the Father's approval. And what this parable is telling you and me today is that we already have His approval if we are already a child of God. 
And today, if you're not already a child of God, and you're basing the gift of heaven on what you do or don't do, this parable is telling you, turn from that works righteousness and receive the grace of Christ and celebrate in the party. It's an invitation. This parable is an invitation to prodigal sons and self-righteous sons. And the lesson, both the rebellious son and the self-righteous son were both lost. But here's the hope that we have. There's a good son. And the good son really isn't in the story. The good son is telling the story. The good son is Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes were upset because the good son was doing what the father asked the good son to do, to come and to faithfully fulfill the mission of seeking and saving lost elect sinners and to bringing them into the family of God. And the Pharisees and the scribes who were operating out of that self-righteous elder brother way of relating to God were upset about grace. And Jesus is saying, you're upset with me sitting down at a table and receiving lost sinners and fellowshipping with them. And remember last week what we talked about with regards to the, the primary mean, meaning of that table fellowship, it really reflects the grace of the gospel. This reminds me, in Revelation chapter 19, there is another table fellowship that takes place. Do you remember what is given in Revelation 19? It's the good son, Jesus, sitting at the head of the table, and his church is there, at the marriage banquet of the Lamb of God where there all who have been brought in to the kingdom of God through Jesus and by his grace will be sitting at that table and one thing that we need to know is that no one will be sitting at that table because they deserve to sit at that table those who are prodigals are there because they received the grace of God that enabled them take up the offer, the invitation to come in. And those sitting at that table will be self-righteous people who try and try and try to merit God's favor, and yet their righteousness did not gain them entrance to that table. It was the grace of God. And here's my point, that no one sitting at that table in Revelation 19 celebrating with the good son will be there because they merit it. They will be there because of the grace of the gospel. They will be there because Christ merited. The good son fulfilled the father's plan. You know, the good son was never lost, was he? But he lost everything in order to seek us and save us that we would have a place 
at that ultimate table fellowship in heaven. And the, the good son is the one who faithfully did all, suffered being forsaken by the Father so that we would never be forsaken by the Father. And his invitation stands for lost sinners that are separated from God either by sin or by self-righteousness to come. And I want to end the message today just with a personal story from my childhood that I think at least helps me understand this dynamic. There's much in this parable to be said. So much has already been said by other people. Uh, Many of you know the parable very, very well. But at the end of the day, this is what I, I, I see. My first dog, the dog's name was Dusty, and it was a combination of a dachshund and a beagle. Just imagine that, what that dog looked like. And I loved that dog. And one day, Dusty ran away from home. And I looked for two days straight for that dog. I looked all over the neighborhood. I was so sad. My parents were upset. And then one afternoon, I was just kind of out in the backyard, and I noticed Dusty just kind of barely able to move, walking up. And I remember that I ran and ran and ran to Dusty. I was weeping. I picked up that dog, and I said, Dusty, I love you. I love you. And I was hugging the dog. The dog was all muddy and smelly. And the dog was hungry and drooling. And I was hugging that dog saying, Dusty, Dusty, I love you. I love you. Dusty, Dusty, why did you do that to me? And so I'm hugging and I'm giving a little, in case there are any animal rights people here, little pats. Uh, not in anger, but just in, in frustration. This is being recorded, by the way. And, and, and so there was this weird combination of joy and excitement. Dusty, Dusty, I love you. Dusty, Dusty, why did you do that to me? You know, I've been looking everywhere for you. You know, God doesn't treat us like that. Or at least the second half. You will never find God saying, Renee, Renee, why did you do that to me? I've always wanted to say that, by the way. Think about it. All you will hear of God say, when you come all dirty and smelly and stinky, be it you a saved person or an unsaved person, it doesn't matter. When you're all smelly and stinky because of your sin, when you're all smelly and stinking and drooling because of your self-righteousness, you'll never hear God say, why did you do that to me? Bad boy, bad girl. You will hear him say, Evelyn, Evelyn, I love you. You're mine. Father, remind us of your compassion. Oh God, so worth it your prodigals come home to hear you say, this my son, this my daughter who was lost is now found. I love them. Oh, God, so work that self-righteous child or self-righteous unsaved person 
might turn from all of their work and toil to get into heaven and yet again come to you and hear you say, Oh, you are my beloved child. Let me hug you and kiss you. And to both the prodigal and the self-righteous, whatever the case may be, to hear the Father say, Get the party ready. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to hear the sound of grace, which is the celebration in heaven when a sinner sinner repents. Let us hear that sound, and let us rest in it. In Christ's name, amen.